The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. I am JP John Paz from the Two Man Power Trip, and today we have the leader of the brand, Mr. Vince Russo, joining us. Vince, how are you doing today? All right, John. What's going on, man? So considering this is the 20th anniversary of WCW's Bash at the Beach 2000, just wanted to first say, can you believe it's been 20 years since Bash at the Beach 2000? I mean, that is absolutely nuts. Is today, 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 today is the day? Technically speaking, it would be tomorrow, but tomorrow. I get it's really almost to the day. So right now we're recording. It's the eighth. It was actually held on July 9th. 2000. Unbelievable. So very Unreal, man. Unreal. When I look back 20 years, man, I just can't believe it was that long ago. Isn't that crazy how time just uh, flies by, but we're still talking about Bash of the Beach 2000. Isn't that crazy? Yes, it is, man. Yes, it is. A lot of WWE pay-per-views, I don't even remember a week after, let alone 20 years after. So it's it's pretty remarkable that it's remembered after all these years. Well, bro, I give you credit because I don't remember the day after. <laughs> so Good you're, you're yeah. remembering a week, which yeah. uh, is pretty impressive, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. So really, Bash of the Beach 2000, WCW was the seventh and final Bash of the Beach pay-per-view. Obviously, WCW would close in, in 2001, sell to Vince McMahon and WWE. But with World Championship Wrestling, it was at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. The attendance, 6,572 fans. Like I said, the 20th anniversary of the Bash of the Beach. What do you think about that crowd? Decent, uh, Decent-sized crowd. I know in today's era it's uh, definitely a great crowd uh yeah I, I mean bro i had no idea what the attendance was i think that's the first time i have ever heard uh what the attendance was but man bro there was 
There was a lot, you know, a, a lot going down right before this, bro. Like, you know, the the week, the week prior to Bash at the Beach, and this does not get talked about a lot, John. Prior to Bash at the Beach, uh, you know, you, you got to understand something, John. When WCW brought me back, okay, and um, Brad Siegel wanted me to work with Eric Bischoff. Okay, bro. Siegel never told me what like Eric's official role was. So I have no idea what Siegel told Bischoff. I'm not privy to that, but I could tell you he never told me Eric's your boss. I mean, never. He basically said, Vince, I want you to work with Eric. That's what he said. Bro, I gave it the benefit of the doubt. I didn't know Eric. Um, I I wanted to make things as easy for uh, Brad as possible. I liked Brad Siegel. I really did. So I didn't want to give him a hard time. I was still under contract with WCW. They were still paying me. So I agreed to work with Eric, not really knowing what that meant. Okay. Um, bro, the first time I had... I, I met him the very first time I, I remember it was a restaurant in Atlanta that is no longer in business. It was called hops H O P P S bro. From the second I sat down with that man, him and I did not like each other hmm. from the, the five seconds in him and I are complete opposite personalities. Complete, bro. Eric Bischoff is the type of guy that gets off on power, that gets off on control, that gets off on money, that gets off at people fearing him, that gets off on being in charge. That's who Eric is. I am not that guy. I don't give a shit about money. I don't give a shit about power. I don't want the corner office. I don't want people reporting to me. All I wanted to do was be in the trenches and write the best damn TV show I could write. That's it. So, bro, you had a white collar guy and you had a blue collar guy. You had a politician and you had a freaking plumber. Okay, I, 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 I don't have a political bone in my body, especially when it comes to the wrestling business. And I didn't need a I didn't need to be a politician because at the end of the day, I was smarter than all of them. I, I could see right through them a mile away. So I didn't need to play their game. I, I, I knew who they were. I knew what they were about. So, bro, we never got along ever. So he, the way he kind of explains it, Eric Bischoff explains, it's kind of like not, I guess he's kind of your boss in a sense, or that's kind of the way he kind of was explaining the structure. But if you guys were to butt heads and there was a disagreement, Brad Siegel is both of your bosses and he takes the priority. Is that true with Brad Siegel being involved at all? Bro, none of that was ever explained to me. All I got was, Vince, I want you to meet somebody. He never said who it was, bro, at the beginning. He never even said who it was. Vince, wow. I want you to meet So I knew who it was. I, I knew Brad's relationship with Eric. He never even said it was Eric, let alone, oh, bro, this is your boss, and I'm going to have the final say-so. None of that. I want you to meet somebody at this restaurant this time on this day. I would like you to work with him. That was it. 
Well, again, what I'm, I'm not going to sit there and call Eric a liar. I don't know what Brad told Eric. I don't know. So, so what is what? Yeah. So what's the the relationship with you and Eric? I know you don't get along, but you're writing it. He approves no, it, no, or, no. or it's you writing together. At the beginning, we're writing together. Okay. 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 So at the beginning, we're meeting together, just the two of us, the old, uh, you know, new blood and and millionaire, millionaire club, club and stripping the titles. We did that together. Okay. But here's what happens, John. This, this is the pattern with Eric, because you got to understand. I relive this in TNA, and this is why we don't get along, okay? So, bro, we're working together early on, and then as time goes by, Eric doesn't want to put this – He Eric doesn't want to put the same time in that I want to put in, okay, bro? When, when I'm writing the show – I mean, that that is all I'm working on. I got tunnel vision. That is 24-7. I am forever working on that show. Eric does not have that kind of a work ethic. So it's always, you know, you 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 got to schedule phone calls with Eric. You know, Eric, Eric will will get to you when he's done doing whatever he's doing. Slowly but surely, Eric wasn't putting in the time that I was putting. So I was writing and producing the bulk of the show. Okay. So, bro, what happens at that point? Well, at that point, Eric then becomes the Tuesday morning quarterback. Okay. Where after the fact, oh, I didn't like this and I didn't like that. Now, keep in mind, Siegel never told me he was my boss. So, like, quite frankly, bro, I don't give a shit whether you liked it or not. Get in the freaking trenches with me. Do some freaking work so, you know, you you can't be Tuesday morning quarterback, right? So, bro, this Tuesday morning quarterback w- went on for a while, okay? And I'll never forget. Here was the – this was the end because I'll tell you exactly what happened. I was trying to create an environment with Scott Steiner where all his matches would take place in a cage. Keep in Mm -hmm. mind, bro, this is 1999. This isn't when UFC was on fire. This, this This is like before UFC is even over. I wanted Steiner to have a gimmick match where he would get you in a cage and like just kill you. The asylum, yep. Was that the name of it? I think that's what you were calling it, yeah. Yep. So, bro, Eric agrees to it. Okay. I tell Eric, this one I'm going to do. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Fine. We do it. The next day, he calls me on the phone and he's ripping it apart. Bro, I, this is why I remember this. I took my phone. Bro, back then it was like the phone with, it, it, it was either, it wasn't the cord, but you know, bro, the phone, it, the battery operated phone. Yeah. Just yep. up. Oh, yeah. Bro, yep. I took the phone while he was on the phone. And bro, I swear to you, I chucked it across my room. <laughs> I swear to you. My next call was to Brad Siegel. Okay? And bro, th- th- this is how I am. Bro, let him write the show. Like, seriously, Brad, if Eric thinks he can write a better show, if you think he can write a better show, let him write the show. Because I know he can't. 
but let him write the freaking show. Uh, bro, this backseat quarterback bullshit, it ain't happening. Let him write the show. So, bro, um, Brad was in L.A. at the time. Calls an emergency meeting like the next day. I got a fly from Atlanta to L.A. to meet with him and Bischoff. Okay, bro, this is where Eric hates my guts. Because, bro, there were probably... There were two very specific times where I called Eric Bischoff out. And Eric does not like to be called out. And nobody has ever called him out. So this is the first time I call him out in front of Brad Siegel. The second time would happen at TNA when I called him out in front of Dixie Carter. Okay. He that 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 is his big issue with me. Nobody calls this guy out. Mm-hmm. I we we go we meet we, we we met in some kind of a trailer, bro. It was like I don't even know, like it was on a set or something. But it, bro, it's very confined area. Okay, the promo I cut to Brad Siegel on the phone, I cut the same promo with with, with Eric there. Eric was right there. I said, let him write the freaking show. I'm not, bro, I'm not dealing with this Tuesday morning quarterback. Let him write the show. Bro, at that time, Brad did not say, no, Vince, he's the boss. Uh, At that time, Brad said, no, 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 Vince, we want you to write the show. You're going to be the writer Eric's going to back off. Now, again, you got to understand, John, I don't know what conversations Eric and Brad are having. I only know the conversations Brad's having with me. But at that time during the week, he says, no, Vince, you're the writer of the show. I want you to write the show. And basically, Eric was going to back off. Okay? Bro, guess what the next show was? Bash at the Beach. Bash at the Beach. The next show, the next time we're working together after this meeting is bash at the beach. Okay. So now, bro, after that meeting, I go back and I start writing the show. Okay. Now, bro, you got to back up and you got to understand the creative meetings prior to bash at the beach. We unanimously voted on. There was about six of us. Unanimously, Booker T was going to win the title. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, bro, as I'm sitting down and I'm writing this show, in the back of my mind, bro, Booker T is winning the title. You know, I'm representing, you know, that entire creative team. It was unanimous. Bro, He's leaving the building with the title. Okay. So, bro, the the way the show laid out, I think Hulk had a match with Jeffers. I can't remember the specifics, but this is what I do know. The first time I wrote the show, I think it was Hulk and Jarrett, I think. I made Hulk look like King Kong. But he didn't win the title. He wasn't leaving the building with 
the title. But I, I, I wrote the story in a, in a very positive way that made Hogan look good, made Hogan look strong, made Hogan look like King Kong. Okay. Now at that point, bro, I've got to give my show to John Laurinaitis. And now Laurinaitis has to present it to Hulk. Okay. No problem. So Laurinaitis presents it to Hulk. Laurinaitis comes back to me. It's not working for him, brother. Okay, no problem. I write a second version, bro, where if he was King Kong in version one, now he's King Kong and mighty. If King Kong and mighty Joe Young, like, bro, I had him laying out Jared. I had him laying out Steiner. I had him laying out everybody, but not leaving with the belt. Okay. John, here you go. Version number two. John calls me back. Vince, Hogan says, that's fine. No problem. He'll do what's written. Okay, bro, this is probably, if I had to guess, this is probably Thursday of that week. So now in my mind, okay, bro, we're all set. Hogan's good. Everything's going according to plan. Okay, now, bro, I find out months later when I'm being deposed, okay, in my lawsuit, I'm finding out months later, okay, bro, after WCW, after the offices closed on Friday, after working hours, keep in mind, we we, we got a pay-per-view on Sunday. Hogan's lawyer faxes a letter to WCW informing WCW that Hogan's going to play his his creative control card and he's not going to do what we what we pitched. So bro they they calculated sending that letter when they knew nobody would be in the office to get it. Literally that letter you know, during Saturday, Sunday, during the is laying on an office floor somewhere. So they purposely sent that letter at a time that they knew nobody would get it. Okay. So, bro, now you got to understand, I show up in Daytona. I don't think th- there's no issues. No problem. Bro, two hours before the show. Bischoff comes up to me. Hogan wants to see you in his trailer. He has a problem with the finish and he's not doing it. Bro, this is the first time I'm hearing it. Two hours before the show. Okay. So now, bro, think, think, keep in mind the position I'm in now. Now I go in the trailer. It's me, Hogan, and Bischoff. I just had the, the 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 showdown with Bischoff during the week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so bro, just just think about the position I'm in. That's why you like these these freaking dirt sheet writers, bro. If these dirt sheet writers experienced of a tenth of what I did, they would have went home freaking crying their third day on the job. I'm in this trailer now with two guys that I know do not like me. 
okay? And I know Booker's leaving this freaking pay-per-view with the belt. I'm not, that's happening, right? So, bro, Eric proceeds to tell me that they've already called Brad Siegel and Brad approved this storyline. So, bro, Hogan starts pitching this storyline and then he got to the point where he wins the title. Bro, as soon as he got to that point, I'm not even listening to another word he says. Now my mind starts going into, bro, he's not winning the title. He's not leaving this building with the title. I've got to pitch him something that would work. Okay, as he's talking, my mind's thinking of something else. And I'll never forget, bro, he handed me on a silver platter. He said something to the effect of, if this shit were real. Okay, so now I turn around and I say, no, Hulk, if this shit were real, this is how it would go down. Let me tell you what would happen if this shit were real. I said, if this shit were real and I came to this building today and I found out that you didn't want to do a job tonight. Okay, if this shit were real, I would go to Jeff Jarrett. I would tell Jeff Jarrett to lay down and let let you cover him for the one, two, three, and get the belt. That's what I would do, bro. That's what that that that's reality. That's what I would do. You you don't want to do the job. I would sit here and say, okay, bro, that's fine. And then I would tell, go tell Jeff, bro, Hogan doesn't want to do the job. So just lay down for him. Just freaking lay down for him, stick it up his ass. That, you want reality, that's what I would do. Okay. So he's listening, bro. He always knew when Hogan was was listening. So he's listening. I said, Hulk, I would tell Jared to lay down for you. Okay. Um, at that point, you're the champion. If this were real, you would really, really be pissed off at me and Jared for showing you up. Okay. So now at this point, you and Eric in front of all the boys working, all the boys would leave this building in a huff. You would leave pissed off. Right. Okay. I would go out there now and I would cut a scathing promo on you. And I would say, keep your title, whatever that means to you, because that's not the official title anymore. I would make the match between Jarrett and Booker, and I would put the belt on Booker. That's what would happen if this were real. So Hogan looks at me and he goes, oh, yeah, brother. And then, you know, maybe there could be a tournament for the belt. And maybe I could, you know, maybe I could face Booker or whatever. Bro, at that time, I'm not thinking of what we're doing next week. We, we got a show in a freaking hour. Right. So I said, Hulk. We'll talk about that when this is over. We, we, we will talk about that when, when, when we get back to it. When I get back to Atlanta, I will call you and we will discuss where we go from there. Okay. That was it. So now, bro, I go tell Jeff as a shoe, as a, I'm telling Jeff, 
Hogan won't lay down for you. I'm not telling Jeff this is a work. I told Jarrett, bro, he won't put you over. F him. Lay down for him, bro. F him. Jeff was pissed. I never saw Jeff Jarrett this hot in my life. When Jeff goes out there and he's laying down for Hogan, in Jeff's mind, this is all a shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay? We do that part of the business. Now, you got to understand, storyline-wise, I knew I had to make the match between Jeff and Booker. But the reason why I had to have Eric and Hulk leave the arena is because I told Hulk, bro, I can't cut that promo with you in a building. Because if I did, you'd come out and kill me. So you you have to leave the building in order for me to cut that promo. That was the whole point of them leaving the building. So he lays down. Jared's pissed. Jared thinks this is real. Okay. Hogan and Bischoff leave. I go out. I cut the scathing promo. That's what I said to Hulk. I'm going to cut a scathing promo on you. John, I never told Hulk what the promo was because I didn't know what the promo was. John, every single time I performed in a wrestling ring, I never had a script ever. I put myself in the moment. I put myself in the place. I put myself in the time. I ad-libbed everything I ever did. It's not like today where it's like, okay, I'm going to say this and you're going to say that and I'm going to say this. No, bro. I put myself in the moment. So I said to Hogan, I'm going to cut a scathing promo on you, not knowing what that promo was going to be. So Hogan leaves the building. I cut the scathing promo on him like I said I would. Didn't know what I was going to say. Honestly, bro, I had no idea what I was going to say. That was raw emotion. And, And the raw emotion was on Thursday, the guy approves the script only for me to find out an hour before showtime he's not going to do it. Then he wants to leave here with the belt. Then then I've got to think on my feet of a way to get out this. So it it was really the emotion of, I don't need this shit. Like seriously, like F you, bro. Like nothing is worth this to me. So the, the emotion was very real. But it was the scathing promo I said I was going to cut on Hulk Hogan. And bro, keep in mind, here's the key. When I'm cutting the promo, I'm saying Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan. I'm in the middle of a wrestling ring and I'm cutting a promo on a fictitious character. Right. I never said Terry Bollea. Never. I'm cutting a promo as Vince Russo, my character, on Hulk Hogan. So, bro, I get back to Atlanta when the show is over and Siegel calls me in his office, Vince, what happened on Sunday? I laid out to Siegel what I just laid out to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brad says to me, how did you leave it with Hulk? And I said, Brad, I told him I'd call him today and we'd figure out where we'd go from here. Okay. Bro, Brad Siegel, the head of the network, tells me, Vince, don't call him. We can't afford to put him on TV. Don't call him. I can't put him on TV. Now, bro, 
that's a very tough spot because man-to-man on Sunday, when I told Hogan I was going to call him, I meant it. I absolutely meant it. I was not bullshitting him. I absolutely meant, bro, like, let's just get this night done. And then I will talk to you when we get back from TV and we'll figure out where we go from here. That was a shoot. I really meant that. Okay. But bro, now when you've got the head of TNT telling you, bro, don't call him because I can't afford to put him on the show. Well, shit, bro. Like that puts me in a tough spot because I gave the guy my word that I would call him, bro. This is the head of the network telling me, no, bro, don't call him. I can't afford him to have him on the show. So, bro, I didn't call him. So now, bro, you got a combination of two things happening. I didn't call him back like I said I would. Right. And, bro, every dirt sheet everywhere bought this as a shoot, hook, line, and sinker. Yep. So Hulk, with his ego, he's now sitting at home. I didn't call him back. And, bro, he's reading all this shit of how Vince Russo got over on him. The next thing I know, bro, I'm getting hit with a defamation of character lawsuit. Hulk didn't know about anything about the promo. Uh, you know, I, I defamed this character, this, that, and the other thing. Bro, the first time in my life I ever had any legal issues with anything anything bro the first time this guy is personally suing me okay so bro they got to depose me that's where i found out about the letter that nobody saw they deposed me the whole nine yards it goes to a judge okay so the judge is sitting there and saying and he basically said okay bro let me get this straight this took place on a wrestling show where Mr. Russo is cutting a promo in a wrestling ring on a character and you're suing him for definite. He never, he never even said your name. And bro, Hulk went into this whole thing about how he was like really Hulk Hogan. And like the judge was like, no, bro, you're Terry Bollea. He cut a promo on a fictitious character. Bro, the judge throws it out. Bro, he appeals it. He goes to the next judge, another, another six months, whatever it is, the next judge does says the same freaking exact thing. Bro, he said Hulk Hogan. He's in a wrestling ring. It's a television show. He, ne- he never even used... How, how, how does somebody defame your character when he never used your name? So, so the judge throws it out, bro. The funny thing is, and I tell people this all the freaking time, every deposition, everything, bro, it's out there. You, you, you can look, bro. I've posted them on my own website. Yeah. Yep. You can read Russo's words. You could read Hogan's words. You could read Bishop's words, bro. You know how I said earlier on that, bro, I'm a hundred times smarter than you. You, you. you may think you're, maybe you're the smartest person when it comes to the wrestling bubble. 
But when it comes to real life and I grew up in New York, bro, I am always 10 steps ahead of you. Bro, when you read the depositions, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff have two completely different stories. Bro, they couldn't even come up with the same story of what happened on that day. These two were supposed to be on the same side and they had two completely different stories with what took place that day. Like Hogan pretty much said, you know, the whole thing was a work, but Russo didn't tell me he was going to say this, which was true. That was true. I didn't tell him exactly what I was going to say. I didn't know. But Eric tells a story like they weren't in on any of it. They, they weren't in on Jarrett laying down. They weren't in on it. Like, bro, not even their, their stories matched up. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, the judge kind of looked at that and he kind of looked at it, just the ridiculousness of it. And he wind up, you know, it, they wound up throwing out the lawsuit twice. That, bro, that's, that's the story of Bash at the Beach. That's exactly how it went down. So what was the relationship like with Hogan, though, leading into Bash of the Beach? Was it Bischoff kind of severing the relationship with uh, Hogan? Is bro, that why you guys were always like Rocky? John, I will tell you this all the time. If there was no Eric Bischoff, bro, I'm telling you, I think I would have had a great relationship with Hulk Hogan. First of all, bro, like you, John, like every other freaking wrestling fan ever born, mm -hmm. we all grew up on Hulk Hogan. I had all the respect in the world for this guy. I, I'm the first one standing online saying, without this guy, I would have never had a career in wrestling. I, I've always said that, bro. Bro, I grew up in New York during the height of Hogan. And, yep. bro, every time I was around them, every time I saw them, I treated them with the utmost respect. Bro, when we would have personal conversations – whether they were in person at TNT or whether they were on the phone. Never, ever, ever an issue. The second you threw Bischoff in that mix, I wasn't allowed to talk to Hulk. I'd have to tell Eric something. Eric would have to go tell Hulk. Then Eric would have to report. But bro, if, if, if it were not for Eric, Hogan would have been a joy for me to work with because bro at the end of the day if he didn't like something or something didn't work for him because of who he was and his stature i would have respected that and bro i can come up with a hundred different ways to skin the cat if something didn't work for him i would stay as close to that story as i could but i would have no problem in coming up with something that that would work for him and, um, you know, like I said, bro, I would have had a great relationship with the guy if it wasn't for Bishop. I know I would have. So at this point, you were saying you and the creative team, you didn't want Hogan as champion. Booker T was going to get the nod. Why not well, Hogan? Bro, let, let me just say it, that that's not how it went on. Down, okay. down, down, down. John, this is exactly how it went down. Okay. We, I walked into a creative meeting. Okay. Bro, they had to be. Let me try to remember who was there. Me, Ed, Terry Taylor, Disco, Jeremy Borash, um, uh, Bill Banks, um, Terry Taylor, 
Yeah, Terry Taylor. There's about six or seven people. Bro, I went into that room, and this is exactly what I said. If you could put the belt on anybody right now, who would it be? That, that, that I threw that question out. Bro, right hand to God. Every single person said Booker T. Bro, there wasn't any other suggestion. So when every other person, Booker T, Booker T, Booker T, Booker T, and they all gave an explanation as to why. And I remember, bro, when it came back around to me, I said, then, like, why aren't we putting the belt on Booker T? That was the conversation. And then when I said, that's when we made the decision, bro, if this is unanimous and this is the way we all feel, then let's put the belt on Booker T at Bash at the Beach. That's exactly how it went down, bro. So with Hogan, what was like your thoughts on him? Passe, he's not as over anymore. Like, what were your thoughts on him not being champion in that era? You guys literally wanted to go with the new blood. You know, you needed somebody different at that point. No, nah, bro, my, bro, I'll never forget this, John. I, I'll never forget this, John. A couple of weeks before I joined WCW. Okay, and you you can go back and look. I, I mean, th- there are things I remember. There are things I don't. Hogan and Flair were in the main event on Nitro. I was sitting at home. I was watching this as a fan. It was awful. You know, bro, I'm watching two legends who I grew up on slower, out of shape, literally, literally form a shelves of themselves as wrestlers. So I knew when I get to that company, okay, bro, they cannot be wrestlers on the card. I've got to take Hogan and Flair off of TV And I got to create the right spot for them to be in at this point in their careers. And bro, a top spot, a spot of importance, but not putting on the tights and wrestling like it was 20 years ago. I needed to find the the right spot with, with honor and dignity and pride to be able to bring these guys back and put them in that position. That's what I needed to do. That's what I wanted to do when I first got to WCW. And like the F-U-N-B, remember you had the, the black jacket and like you wanted to give him a different look as well? Well, you see, bro, it, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that, John. Here's what happened. If you notice my first three months at WCW, and again, mm-hmm. bro, go look at the ratings, okay? I, the rate, The ratings and the numbers are there. The mindset of me and Ferrara when we got to WCW were, bro, ratings were in the shitter. Pay-per-view buy rates were in the shitter. The, the WWE was just kicking their ass thanks to me and Ferrara, okay? So here's the first thing Ed and I had to do. We had to stop the bleeding. You know, it's like the little boy. You put the finger in the dike. Stop the bleeding. Stop, the, stop, the, stop it right here. Don't let it go any lower. That's number one. Number two. We had to break down the foundation they had 
and brick by brick by brick, we had to start building a new house. Okay. okay. Well, we know all this is going to take time. We know it's going to take time. We know we got to fix the television program first because once the television program is fixed, house shows are going to come back, pay per views are going to come back, but you got to start with the television product. Okay. Now, bro, keep in mind, this is before there was any Avenger movies. Okay. When you look at the first three months, one by one by one, we're getting rid of the legends. Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get rid of Henning. Flares buried in the uh, in the beach. Okay. Yeah, in the desert out there. The yeah. Desert. By the filthy animals. Yeah. Yeah. Hogan and Sting do that lay down. Mm-hmm. Savage, you know, is is on his way out. Piper, bro. What I was trying to do, the storyline was one by one by one by one by one, these legends are getting eliminated, okay, bro? Only to come back as this super team of Avengers because the beauty of that is how are these, gonna, how are these guys going to work together with all these egos? You see what right. I'm saying? They've yeah. they got to unite to have the power and they're going to come back and they're going to have power and stroke, but are they really going to get along? You know, that was the story. But, bro, what happened reality-wise is these guys really believed that I was trying to get rid of them. It's the paranoia of wrestling. That's what it is, bro. It's the paranoia. They really believed. I was getting rid of them and writing them off the show. And I'm like, no, bro, like this is the plan. Like this is what I'm doing, bro. They didn't believe me. So uh, of course, you know what, what happens? You, you, bro, you can connect all the dots as clear as day. Flair gets in the year of JJ Dillon. Ah, bro, I've been here for X amount of years. I'm the nature boy, Rick Flair. He's burying me in a desert, you know, yada, 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 yada. You know, Hogan still talking to Bischoff. Bischoff's probably still talking to Brad Siegel. Who knows? But mm-hmm. now behind the scenes, holy shit, bro, this, this Russo guy comes in. He's trying to get rid of all of us but yeah, for the younger guys. No, bro, that's not what I was trying to do. I was trying to put you in a believable role. I was trying to make you strong again. It would have been a hell of a story, but the paranoia of wrestling made these guys believe that I was riding him out of the show and I was done with him. And that was never the case. Interesting thing about Bash of the Beach. I always thought about this. I don't even know if you've ever answered before. There was two belts. You know, you got the Hogan belt and then you got the, you know, the, the real official big gold belt with the little bend in it that, you know, Jared and Booker T would wrestle for. Why is there two belts? Is there always two belts at, at the know, shows? Bro, I, I've been asked that before. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I always found that interesting. Yeah, no, bro. Somebody brought that up to me before. Like, why, why would that, like, bro, I have, I have no idea. I don't know. That is just so interesting to me. I guess there's always a backup belt in case gets lost or yeah i don't i don't know bro but i i have i I have no idea now that promo that you cut and you know you're saying all that stuff about hogan how much of that is a work and how much of that is a shoot of what you're saying about hogan i got you know three kids i got a wife at home i don't need this shit i'm i'm feeling that way at the time 
I, I mean, I'm I, I'm feeling that way, bro. Keep in mind, I just went through all that, bro. I they they, they sent me home because of politics. Mm-hmm. Bro, think of my story, bro. I quit the WWE, and I don't regret that for a second. Vince telling me to hire a nanny, f you, bro. I I don't regret that for a second. But bro, you got to understand now. I'm a Northeast guy. My family was from the Northeast. Okay. Lived in Long Island, moved to Connecticut. Connecticut's very much like Long Island. I, I, I pick up my family. All my kids are in school. We moved to Atlanta. Okay, bro, I never like Atlanta from the get-go. Never like it. it it's just a, a Northeast guy. It's just not for me. So, bro, now I'm in Atlanta. I, I don't like Atlanta. Bro, um, I'm, I'm seeing racism I'm, I'm, it, it's a whole different world than what I was used to. Okay, bro. In three months, with the numbers going up, they tell me, "Oh, bro, you're not going to be the head writer anymore. You're going to be part of a committee." And I'm like, "Well, unfortunately, that's not what my contract says. So I'm going to go home now, and you guys can figure out how to pay me." Okay. So, bro, now keep in mind. I, I uproot my whole family. We moved to a place that none of us like. Three months, I'm not working. So, bro, I sit home for three months. And, bro, I got to tell you, in that three months, I swear to God, all I cared about was that check better be in my mailbox. You, you, you guys can do whatever the frig you want. Whether you call me back or not, I don't give a shit. That check better be in my mailbox. Okay. So bro, three months rating goes right back in the shitter where I knew it would be. They call me back and what do they do, bro? They saddle me with Eric Bischoff who from day one, him and I don't like each other. So then that turns into Bischoff being the Monday morning quarterback That turns into a big blow up between me and Bischoff. That turns into me going at Bash of the Beach, finding out two hours before the show, this guy's not going to do what he agreed to do. Bro, can you imagine my mindset? So when I'm saying I don't need this shit and I've got three freaking kids at home that are way more important than this bullshit, I 100% mean that. From the bottom of that, that is Vince Russo talking. And like I said, bro, you 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 look at these dirt sheet writers who criticize me and think it's so easy, bro. If there were any one of those guys that would have went through what I went through in that period of time, bro, they would have they would have ran under the covers, pulled the covers over their heads, and cried for the next freaking decade because they would have never, ever been able to handle it. So by the time I got to that promo, yes, that is how I felt. So the end game, like after this promo and you said you kind of thinking, you know, Hogan goes home. What, what's kind of like the end game for Hogan though? Like, is he coming back? I mean, what's going to happen? I know you have that conversation, but what's your kind of thought process on what you're going to do? No thought process. That's up to Brad Siegel at that point. I, I mean, Brad Siegel is telling me, bro, keep in mind, I don't know what Hogan's making. I don't I don't know what the contract reads. I know nothing about that. 
All I know is the head of the network is saying, don't call him. I can't afford to put him on TV. So nothing. I mean, the, the next thing has to come from Brad Siegel. But I'm assuming, bro, if they can't afford to put him on TV now, th- th- they're going to be able to afford him a month from now? So, like, at that point, I'm not even thinking about Hogan until Brad Siegel says, okay, Vince, you can you can use him again. So, as just creatively thinking, though, if he's the champ and you have Booker T as the champ, are you maybe thinking a little bit down the road, Hogan champion-champion no, match, or not never, even thinking of that far? We even got to that point. It, okay. it never, when, 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 when Brad is telling me we can't pay him, Hogan's off my radar. Hogan's off my radar until Brad is telling me something differently. So I'm not even thinking about that stuff, bro. Now, if, if he didn't, if he didn't tell me that, and I would have been able to make that call, bro, yes, I would have spoke to Hulk and I would have, you know, figured out the best way for this to work for him and the company, like, and the company, because bro, I still knew I had to develop the younger talent for the good of the future of the company because nobody in the middle was over. And these top guys were getting older and older and older. So at some point, bro, you have to start developing the middle card for the, 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 the well-being of the entire company. But, you know, like I said, bro, I would have had those conversations with Hulk. And we would have came to some kind of an agreement that would have kept him happy. And I would have also been able to, you know, justfully serve the company because that was my job. There's always a rumor out there. And, you know, th- there's a few of them that always change, it's like dirty kind of stuff. But I think even Bischoff maybe maybe gave some uh, justification to some of it. But basically saying Hogan would come back, Halloween Havoc, and Goldberg would be champ, champion versus champion, or, or something, or Booker T. Hogan. That's always been a rumor that's been out there. That's not, not even true. Never even not, thought not, of it. Not, not from me. I mean, maybe that was something in Eric's head, and maybe that was something him and Bischoff talked about, but never – Never as far as I was concerned, when 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 I got those orders from Brad Siegel, there was no Hulk Hogan until he came back to me and said, OK, bro, we've lessened our payroll X amount of dollars. You can write Hogan back in. So at that point, I, I had no plans for Hogan till till Siegel told me differently. Would have been kind of something creatively interesting. You know, you got two technically two world champions yeah. and, and Hogan come back, right? I mean, you would have been open yeah. to that, him coming oh, back and champion champion. Hey, bro, if, if it was good TV and it was different, I would have been 100% open to it. So if I could, I just want to run down the card just to, to go over the other match as well. I mean, obviously, the big story is you and Hogan and that whole thing. But Lieutenant Loco, first match, the Cruiserweight champion defeats Juventud Guerrera retains the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. What did you think of Chavo as Lieutenant Loco? Is that kind of an, uh, an okay gimmick, or do you think the Misfits in action, maybe he could have just been Chavo? What, you know, what are your kind of whole thoughts well, on I, that? I think the Misfits in action could have evolved a lot more. I, I, bro, I, I didn't have the time I needed. I, I mean, if I would have had the time I needed to see that through, and develop each and every character, it would have come much further along than it did. I just didn't have the time I needed in order to do that. What do you think about Hoovy? I point? love Hoovy. I, I mean, bro, I, I I put Hoovy on color. 
I mean, Hoovy was so charismatic. I, 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 I love the guy. I mean, I, I still love Hoovy to this day. So he's so funny. The juice, uh, the best. He's the best, bro. So hardcore title matches next. Big Vito, your buddy, Big Vito, defeats Norman Smiley and Ralphus <laughs> to retain the title. What's kind of the thought process there? Just a jokey, fun match. Norman, Norman Smiley, obviously awesome in that gimmick. And Big Vito, obviously uh, great as well. Yeah, just so Norman was so freaking entertaining, bro. Like he, he just got it, man. And God, he, I, I mean, he, you know, stuff like that, people like him were just so much fun to work with. You know what I mean, bro? They, they never had a problem. They never had an issue. If they wanted to talk creative to you, it was done in a very respectful way. Um, so yeah, bro, it, it was a joy working with him. And obviously, you know, Vito and I had a friendship, mm -hmm. so there were never any issues there, but you know, Vito was a very believable, hardcore type of guy. He lived the life. I mean, Vito grew up on the streets of Staten Island, bro. I mean, you know, Vito did some bad things in his mm -hmm. life. I mean, that's that's who big Vito is. And what about Ralphus bringing him back? Obviously, you know, it was part of Jericho's security team back in uh, the 98 era of Monday Night Jericho. But I just think it's so funny you decided to bring Ralphus back. Is that one of those things, you know, he's driving the truck. You see him, you're like, oh, yes, Absolutely. he was great on TV. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So just a, a funny pairing, really, Norman Smiley yeah. and Ralphus. Yeah. So, so next match, Daphne with Crowbar defeats Miss Hancock, a.k.a. Stacey Keebler, who was with David Flair at that point in a wedding gown match do you remember this crazy match at all so it was miss hancock against daphne, daphne. yeah wedding gown match yeah. yeah i i i don't remember the match particular what do you think about those two those two pieces of talent um well well first of all like i i think daphne is incredible i mean daphne was a trained actress you know, so mm -hmm. Daphne knew how to act. So when you talk about that crazy character, she was very, 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 very good at what she did. Miss Hancock, bro, I got I got to tell you, when when I got hired, they were doing the Nitro Girl search. Mm -hmm. And then when it was Stacy, I, I bro, I just knew like there's something special like about this girl. And I remember approaching her. She thought she was just going to be a nitro girl. And I said, nah, I think we could do more with you. I, you know, are you interested in being a character on the show? And she was very, very open to that. And that's basically when we came up with the Miss Hancock gimmick. Great gimmick. She was great. And yeah. pairing her with David Flair was interesting as well. Bro, I go back and I look at, crazy david flair stuff bro i don't care what anybody says i think he did a tremendous tremendous job a believable job bro i mean you know we do a lot of those watch alongs on patreon and bro david flair was good i i'll still say it to this day man i thought he did some great great work at wcw man he really isn't the athlete that obviously his sister Charlotte is, right. but I feel like, I mean, obviously they have, they have different mothers, but I have the same father as Rick, but you know, the, the athleticism is, isn't quite there with him, but he was kind of thrust into a position maybe too soon. Do you think at all? Cause that's a lot of pressure. I mean, your dad's the greatest of all time. I mean, absolutely bro. And, and he didn't have to, the position I had put him in, he didn't have to rely on his wrestling. 
We really made him a character. And, bro, his facials, like, I, I mean, man, he was very, very believable as somebody that maybe lost it because of all the pressure that was put on him as being Ric Flair's son. But again, bro, it's like when you don't have the time to let these stories play out, you never really know where they're going to go, you know? Yep. So the next match, Chronic, Brian Adams and Brian Clark defeat the perfect event, Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo for the WCW World Tag Team Championship. What do you think about Chronic? I always thought that they had so much potential to be such a like a great, like just like uh, 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 Ron Simmons and JBL, like that APA kind of like they, they got some potential here. Bro, with this they team. were awesome. They were awesome. Bro, do you want to know something as a shoot? And keep in mind, like, WCW's like 2000. So um, uh, I'm almost 40. Mm-hmm. Okay, bro. I'm almost 40. Yeah, I'm almost 40. Bro, they came up with the name Chronic and they pitched it to me. Bro, I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so I said, yeah, it's a great, bro. I had no idea. I'm 40 years old. I had no idea what, not that I would have said no. Right. I, I, I still would have said that's fine. Bro, those guys were so freaking impressive. And and not only that, who who was it? Palumbo and Stasiak. Perfect event. Oh my God, bro. The, 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 the bro, I'll never forget what I think was my first run at WCW. Maybe it was the second one. I don't remember. They um they had me go down to the power plant to look at these guys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bro, like for what I need them for on TV, they're already like they look like television stars. They look like wrestlers. They look like they belong. I mean, bro, Jindrak, O'Hare, yeah. uh, you know, I, I mean, bro, all of those guys, I mean, just look the part. And, bro, keep in mind, I was not the 30-minute wrestling guy, match guy. I mean, that's not who I was. I needed somebody that looked good, somebody that was unique, somebody that had a personality, somebody that we could tell stories with. And, bro, Jindrak, O'Hare, uh, uh, Sanders. Mike Sanders, yeah. Reno. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just all of those guys, bro. So, I mean, they they to me, they did an absolutely phenomenal job at that power plant. But the, to me... These guys look like stars. Yeah, they're all very impressive. Obviously, you know, a little green, but I mean, impressive, massive, huge yeah. guys. Yeah. Great look. And and a, and a guy like Saunders, like Sanders. Great who, talker. Yeah, of course. Yeah, bro. He, now, he, he didn't have their size. And you would look at a guy like Sanders and say, yeah, I could probably kick his ass. But my God, what a talker. And all he had to do was hide behind these guys and say whatever he wanted to say. So... You know, he he had a gift. Yep. I used to love when he used to say SOL, and you know what that means. He would do that stupid laugh, like, ha, ha, ha. I mean, he was just so quick-witted, so good. Oh, good, man. So good. Next match was Chris Canyon, great legend, defeats Booker T via the uh, Jeff Jarrett chair shot, which obviously sets up Jarrett and Booker, but also kind of sets up Canyon as a main eventer going forward and and puts him in that spot where he's going to feud with DDP, obviously, as he kind of climbs the ladder. What are your thoughts on Chris Canyon, an underrated legend? Bro, you know what's really weird? I love Chris Canyon. Always did. Always did, bro, because he was such a nice guy. And he was great. And he was very, very, very talented. Bro, I swear, 
when we started getting to the page canyon angle bro in they were very close best friends mm -hmm. bro in my mind like i was really thinking okay uh, we're here now we're gonna make canyon because i thought page would have no problem in putting his buddy over bro page had a problem in putting his buddy over which wow. which took me by surprise because I was like, you know, bro, you know how like when you have somebody there and then you know if we put him over this next guy, they're going to go to that next level. Mm -hmm. And yep. that was my idea with Canyon all along. But when we got there, Paige was like very hesitant. And I was like, I, I did not see that coming. And, bro, I, I got to be honest with you, it, it stunted the growth of Canyon more than I would have liked it to. Yeah, that's interesting that the TDP was so against because Canyon obviously ready, the innovator of offense, such a great wrestler, such a yeah. great character. Wow. Always had some funny little, you know, witty comment to say. He was great. And obviously in the ring, I mean, you, you can't get better than him in the ring. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So that part of the just a great setup with Jerry hitting him with the guitar shot, yeah. setting yeah. up for later on, just plain and simple, just as that. Yep. So establishes both guys. I mean, it establishes that few, but it also establishes Canyon too. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So the next match, Mike Awesome defeats Scotty Steiner by DQ. Um, it was a United States Championship match. So keeping Steiner strong, keeping Mike Awesome strong is that kind of the, the gist of it? With those the two champion guys? Steiner at the time. Steiner was a champion. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, bro, bro, two impressive guys. You know, like that, bro. See that 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 was the thing with me, bro. Like. You always hear with Vince Russo, oh, gimmicks and run-ins and this and that and everything else and no clean finishes. Yeah, no shit, bro. Because when there's a clean finish, that means it's over. It's over. When somebody beats you clean, it's over. Bro, my philosophy, John, was I, I tried to protect everybody on the roster. I didn't look at one guy as being a jobber. I tried to make everybody valuable, bro. The, the more valuable talent you had on that roster, the more your company as a whole was going to be over. Bro, what, what do you have today? When you look at AEW, when you look at WWE, what do you have, bro? You got 50-50 booking yep. and nobody is freaking over. That's why, bro, that's why nobody's over. That's why you creatively have to think of ways to get one guy over another, but while protecting the guy who's on the losing end. Bro, to this day, I, I, I work for a very, very small company in Salt Lake. Bro, I'm doing the same thing with their guys. There are no job, bro. Nobody's going to wrestling school to be a jobber. Nobody, bro. So I'm, I'm always looking to protect everybody on the roster. So really, when I think of your run in WCW, two guys that I really think got over huge that deserved it to get over huge, that were just huge stars. I always think of Booker T, Scott Steiner. Awesome job, like getting them over, getting them push. Uh, Steiner was just unbelievable. That character was was the best. So many people, just even outside of wrestling, so many people loved Big Papa Pop, Hall of You Hear Me, all that other stuff. People always say, oh, Goldberg, what was his best match? If you go back to Fall Brawl 2000, 
by far Goldberg's best matches against Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner beats the living hell at him. I mean, he gives it to him back, but it was just so great to see Steiner and Booker T, two guys, Steiner brothers, Harlem Heat, through the years, you know, they're slowly climbing up. But was that kind of your goal, get those two guys over? Because Not, not, not really, bro. I mean, not no? really. Not just, you know, bro, everybody was going to have the same opportunity. And then, you know, you bro, what you do is you give everybody the same opportunity. And they broke out. Yeah, and then you you let the fans tell you. I, I mean, it's it's that simple. You th that's what ratings are for, bro. When you're given minute by minute by minute ratings, you're able to see what every single wrestler on that card is drawing. You can see, you can see when they're tuning in. You can see when they're tuning out. So if you really become a student of the ratings, bro, it's real simple. You start giving them more of what they're watching yep. and you start pulling away from what they're not. It, it's, it's really simple. Nobody does that anymore, bro. Which blows my freaking mind. Yep. Blows it, my mind. Bro. Bro. Like it's, it's like the ratings told AEW two weeks ago, the spot they put Jericho in with Orange Cassidy. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, bro. Like, that's it, it doesn't matter how much Cody Rhodes is a mark for Orange Cassidy, Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, whoever is a mark for Orange Cassidy. It doesn't freaking matter. The numbers told you for some reason the people didn't buy this. So we can't go to it, 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 it. It's not about who you personally like, bro. There were a lot of rest, not a lot of wrestlers, but there were enough wrestlers that were pains in the ass to work with. Okay, bro. If they drew, I had to work with them. It was right. right. Bro, bro, listen. Back back in the in the in the you know mid nineties, okay. Bro, Shawn Michaels will be the first to tell you mm -hmm. he was a different guy. And bro, Shawn was under the influence of painkillers, whatever the freak he was taking. Bro, Sean threatened to beat me up once. I, I I mean, bro, I had such an up and down relationship with Shawn Michaels, bro. Sean was the drawing card. So it, it didn't matter what my relationship was with Sean. It didn't matter how I felt about Sean at that time. If the people want to see Sean, then Vince Russo has to work with Sean. It doesn't work that way today, bro. AEW is a company of everybody is everybody else's friends. We're going to mm -hmm. bring our friends in. And bro, listen, I, I've watched that show enough now to understand Bro, there are a lot of guys on that show that are not getting paid unless they're on the show. So you 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 can that's why you're seeing run-ins and you you you're seeing such a mishmash of stuff to pay guys. That's why they're doing it. But again, bro, what what, what is this about? You guys are working for TNT. You guys got a contract with TNT. If that's me, my loyalty is to TNT. I want to keep that television contract. I want to give them the highest ratings I can possibly give them. My 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 objective is not to get as many guys a payday as possible. Right. Right. And, and, and you can see it there. I, I know that's why they do it. And that that's why, you know, bro, just across the board, ratings are in the shitter and nobody freaking cares. 
So just going to move on to the, the next match. Vampiro defeats the Demon in a graveyard match, which somebody told me, I don't know if this is actually true or not, that that's why they called it the Boneyard match, because there was already a graveyard match in WCW. That's why Undertaker and AJ, I have no idea. It kind of just sounds funny, but I don't know if you remember that at all. It's kind of a cinematic style match. Vampiro well, and have, I, I, match. Think, I think Sting and Vampiro had one even before yes. that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, we we were we were doing that like 20 years ago before they had that taker match. Do you remember like um the demon at all as a character? Did you like him? Obviously, it was kind of before your time where he was playing the kiss demon, but when you inherited Dale Torborg, did you like the demon character? Bro, I don't know if you know this or not. I you know, bro, so many people are just stuck on the same freaking questions, like they don't ask to me. What are the interesting questions? I, mm-hmm. I never get asked the shit like that people don't know because it's the same show. David Arquette's a champion. Like, bro, like, come on, you know? Right here, David Arquette. There you go, bro. <laughs> bro, I don't know if you know this or not. Yeah. Prior to Kiss being on WCW, mm-hmm. okay, Gene Simmons contacted Vince McMahon. Okay, they wanted to come to WWE. Okay, yep. and bro, I'll never forget. I was the bro. I, I I've been a Kiss fan since the age of sixteen. Love Kiss, yeah. Love and, and bro, I'll never forget because this is how conversations with Vince would go. Vince, you know uh, somebody by the name of uh, G, you ever a guy Gene Simmons? He's with he's with <laughs> some, bro. He's with some group Kiss. He didn't know Gene Simmons. Oh my I'm like, god! So I'm like, bro, really, Vince? Like, really? So, bro, Gene Simmons wanted to make meet with Vince. Vince wasn't going to take a meeting. I'm like, Vince, for me, you got to meet with Gene Simmons. Yeah, like, my god, yeah. You got to, you, you, bro. To, and and I and I explained to Vince about you know, bro. Gene Simmons is like a marketing guru. I said, Vince, I'm telling you, like, even if you don't even do anything with them, this guy knows marketing promotion. Like, forget about it. So, um, him and Linda went out to dinner with Gene Simmons. And bro, Gene brought them a lot of shit, and Vince gave it all to me, which was cool. That's awesome. But um, after meeting with them, Vince said to me, "Vince, man, I don't know. I, I, it just it doesn't feel right. I I don't think this would work for us. I don't think this is a good fit." And Vince was ha- Vince was actually having a hard time of how to tell Gene because I I don't know if they they got along so well during dinner. I don't know what it was, but he really didn't know how to tell him. And I'm like, Vince, just tell me you don't think it's a good fit and move on. And that's what happened. And then the next call was to WCW and that's where they made the deal with, you know, the demon character. And there was supposed to be, you know, the demon character, then the star child, it was supposed to be all of them, bro. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh yeah. It was supposed to be all of them. That was the gimmick that they were going to be wrestlers, but it never got past the demon character. So bro, when I got to WCW, you know, I was a huge Kiss fan. Dale Torborg was a huge Kiss fan. But also, bro, like, Dale had really formed a strong relationship with the band. He really wanted to get it over. 
You know what I mean? And bro, I have to tell you, like Dale Torborg may be like the nicest guy I ever met in the wrestling business. I mean, seriously, like bro, like he, he, he should, he does not belong in the wrestling business. This is the nicest guy, smart guy, constantly has ideas, always thinking he really wanted to get it over. He never felt it was done the right way from the get go. So that's why I was like, bro, Dale, let's, let's try to do it, man. You know what I mean? He, he looked great. He looked great in the makeup. Um, and you know, we tried it, but again, bro, I'm, I'm just always going to say, you know, a lot of my stuff was cut short before I really had a chance to go anywhere with it. Speaking of Kiss and being a big Kiss fan, the next match, the franchise Shane Douglas defeats Buff Bagwell. We know the franchise is a huge, huge Kiss fan. What did you think about, I know we what you think about Shane, obviously great, but what did you think about Buff at this point? Bro, you know, uh, Dave Meltzer always likes to bring up the fact that, oh yeah, Russo, uh, yeah, R- Russo knows what he's talking about. He he told me once in an interview that Buff Bagwell had just as much charisma as The Rock. Bro, guess what? Let me say it again 20 years later. Buff Bagwell had just about as much charisma as The Rock. Oh, he was super he charismatic, again, yeah. And I'll say it every, every freaking day. Bro, Buff Bagwell was one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my life. Forget about wrestling. In my life, this guy was so charismatic. He got it. He was a great performer. That was one of the guys, bro, without a shadow of a doubt, when I was coming over, that's one of the guys I had my eye on. Because he got it. And I knew Buff could be great. Bro, his demons, which a lot of us deal with our own demons. Well, bro, I can't I can't help that. I mean, that's Buff. And that's Buff's demons. And there's not too much I can do with that. But when I talk about potential, when I talk about charisma, yeah, bro, he did have as much charisma as The Rock. I worked with both of them. And I would not say that unless I believed it. Very charismatic. Underrated, for sure. Next match, Hollywood Hogan defeats Jared. Obviously, we talked about that earlier. It's when he lays down. He says, that's why this company's the way it is. You know, takes his belt, leaves with Bischoff. You come out. You cut that promo, really. So we kind of went through that. So I'll go on to the next. Goldberg, heel Goldberg, defeats Kevin Nash for Scott Hall's contract. This is a very interesting kind of thing. Was Hall ever really coming back? Was that just kind of dressing for the match? Or like, what was the deal with Scott Hall at this point that Nash is fighting for his contract? What was the finish of the match? Goldberg defeats Nash. I believe Steiner helps him win. I think so. A heel Steiner turns on Nash. Goldberg, I think, uh, well, obviously Goldberg wins. But heel Goldberg gets to win over Nash in a nefarious um finish basically god john i wish i could tell you i remember like i that that i don't remember i remember the contract i remember i remember doing that vaguely but man i don't remember what scott hall's status was at that point you know i mean he doesn't come back i know that yeah there, there were guys bro that were having personal issues beyond wrestling i mean it, re- it really had nothing to do with you know, wrestling, you know, you, you, bro, you always have to deal with that. You know, that, that, that's part of the business, bro. You're always going to have those handful of guys, you know, like I said, at the WWE, you know, dealing with Sean, 
for those years. You know, bro, I was there when Jake came in as an agent and there were the issues with Jake. And then, of course, later on at TNA with Jeff Hardy. There, there's always going to be a couple of the guys on the roster that are just always dealing with their own demons, bro. And and that's the hard part, bro, because things like this get sprung upon you and then creatively you got to try to figure it out. Like, bro, the WWE, they're at a point now where if somebody is out because of COVID, if somebody is sidelined because of the Me Too movement or or what what is it, the uh, Speak yeah. Out movement, mm-hmm. these people just disappear. There's no explanation in story or anything. I didn't work that way. If I was dealt, if if all of a sudden, you know, an Austin theory isn't on the show mm-hmm. because there are allegations against him, I'm not just going to go on the next week like Austin theory was never here. I'm going to try to make sense out of the situation so the people at home know they're not going to know the truth, you know, if, if that's if the company doesn't want the truth out. But there's going to be a reason why Austin Theory is not no longer in that stable. They do that time after time. Guys are there one week, not there the next. They're one week, not there the next. No explanation. Not even they don't even attempt to put a story in place. And that, that just drives me nuts, man. So basically that's kind of the way to get a haul off is really that's do kind it. Of the way to TV. cover him. If we got to put a period at the end of that sentence, that's kind of how to do that. Turning Goldberg heel mistake regret in retrospect, or he yeah, didn't, bro, he didn't like it either. No, he, listen, he, here's the bottom line. He let us know from day one, he didn't like it. Okay, bro. Bro, when a talent doesn't like something and 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 you ask them to go out and do it anyway, it, it's never going to work. If their heart isn't in it, it never is going to work. So, sure. bro, if I could do it all over again, I probably would have never tried it because from, from the beginning, Goldberg was honest. He didn't like it. He didn't want to do it. I was in a position, bro, where before I started working with Goldberg, bro, what do you do with a baby face that goes 150 and 0? Like, how do you possibly top that? Like, by the time I got there, Goldberg did all that. So I'm like, okay, well, what can you possibly do to top that? Well, we could turn him heel and then bring him back as a baby face, but he never wanted to do that, and we should have never asked him to do it. So then the main event of the evening, Booker T defeats Jeff Jarrett for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Booker, according to the creative team, was the right guy at the right time. You agree? Booker, right guy at the right time? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Bro, that that was my proudest moment in wrestling, period. Really? Wow. Bro, I don't care about ratings. I don't care about numbers. Um, that was my proudest moment in the business, bro. Like all the shit I went through in wrestling, all the bullshit and all the, all the scumbags I had to work with mostly on a management level, not, not the boys. That one moment made up for all that shit, because that was a guy Who's who was kept down for years and years and years was never going to speak up, 
was the nicest guy in the locker room, would do whatever you asked him to do. People took advantage of him. People walked over him. And for him to finally get his day was far and away my greatest achievement. So somehow, so underrated. Could have a good match with anybody. You want him to cut a serious promo, he's awesome. Could want him to cut a funny promo, he could do it, right? I mean, he's just one of those five-tool players. If we talk about baseball, five-tool players. Booker T is a five-tool player. Without a doubt, bro. Without a shadow of a doubt. It is great. All these years later, he's one of the first. I think he was he the first or the second two-time WWE Hall of Famer, too. I think Flair might have been first, but that's pretty cool, too. It's like, wow, look at look at this. Now he's finally kind of you know getting the the uh, deserve respect he deserves. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm um that that was that was a great day, man. It was hell to go through, but to 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 end that night the way it was supposed to end. And all I had to go through, I'm very, very, very proud of that achievement because I, I could have folded like a tent, but it wouldn't have been the right thing. It would not have been the right thing to do. So after this show is over, you don't think any any issues with Hogan, everything is fine. You're riding high after the Booker T win? Oh, no, I'm not I'm not riding high. I'm 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 relieved mm-hmm. and I'm happy that it ended the way it was supposed to end. But I mean, I I just I knew the nightmare was going to continue and it did. So just looking back and we, you know, we ran through the whole car. We talked about the whole Hogan Bischoff Russo, Jared, all that, the Booker team in the title thing. Like wh- what's like your conclusion? What's your thought on the show itself? Bash of the beach 2000 thumbs up, thumbs down too much drama going on. Like what are kind of just overall thoughts on it, bro? The conditions that I was put under two hours before the show, two, two thumbs way up, way up, bro, because somebody had to take control. Somebody had to make it. Hey, bro, listen, here's the bottom line. For the only time in my life, I'm going to be 60. Did, did I ever experience depositions being sued? Okay. And for one reason and for one reason only, to do the right thing. Putting the belt on Booker that night was to, was doing the right thing. Bro, at the end of the day, I got sued over it. At the end of the day, I got, I got dragged through a process that took years of my life simply because I did the right thing. And you know what, bro? 20 years later, I would have never folded tent. I would have never given in because it was very, very important at that time to do the right thing. Are you still shocked? And we said at the beginning, you're still shocked. 20 years later, we're still talking about Bash of the Beach 2000. You know what, bro? Considering what we're watching today, no. Because what what, what else is there to talk about? Like I, I'm reading online today, like, and, and, and I'm just, I'm cracking up because I'm reading about, um, I'm reading about Tony Khan and there's going to be an announcement that's going to send shockwaves like really Tony, like Mm. real, like shockwaves. Like (laughs) it's Dixie Carter all over again, bro. I, 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 every time he says something or I see a press conference, I, I literally feel like I'm looking at the male version of Dixie Carter. Like, bro, we should have learned from that. We, we, we shouldn't repeat that. We should learn from that. But 
it's like, okay, bro, what what shockwave are you gonna are you gonna drop tonight that I'm gonna be remembering 20 years from today? We'll see. You know, right. That's uh, kind of the way it is. And I think that's just a perfect kind of way to end it, really, because especially to be true, 20 years later, still talking about that, which right. is crazy. But uh, please, you know, let's uh, get out all your plugs. Obviously, RussoBrand.com, the Realm Network. But please, let's, uh, let's get yeah, out all the plugs. I have, I have two, uh, two platforms for podcasting, bro. And I have a lot of great, a lot of great uh, hosts do their own shows, man. Uh, Russo'sbrand.com and also patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC guys from, you know, Shane Douglas to Francine to just incredible. I mean, you talk about Harlem heat, Stevie Ray does a show and he's absolutely tremendous. And then we got Stevie Richards and we got Ben Hameen and we got disco Inferno. We have people, bro, that have been there and done that. When you listen to our podcast, These are people that know what they're talking about. And you get many, many different Taylor Hendricks, who still wrestles today. Mm -hmm. You get many, many different points of view. And that's that's what we try to bring you, bro. Listen, I don't care. I don't want people to agree with me. I don't I don't want people to stop watching wrestling because I personally think wrestling sucks. You know, you guys have a mind of your own out there, you know, whether you agree or disagree. The only thing I ask is that you're respectful. We respect each other. That's all that really matters. But, um, yeah, guys, if you want a wide array, just go to Russo'sBrand.com or Patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC. Right. And for me, you can follow me at Two Man Power Trip. Check out our website, tmptempire.com. We got so many shows going on. Obviously, on the Russo's brand, we do the triple threat prod, uh, excuse me, triple threat podcast. Easy for me to say with the franchise, Shane Douglas. We also have Dirty Dutch Mantel's University of Dutch over on MLW. Rick Bassman, who you probably know very well, has the Talking Tough podcast over on Podcast One. Um, who else do we have out there? How can I forget Dr. Tom taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard as well. So we, we got a lot going on and there's actually, we got more coming out as well, more down the pike. So we got some great stuff going on as well. So basically just want to end this and say, wow, 20 years later, still talking about bash at the beach, 2000. What a great, great show that was kind of looking back just for the memories. I mean, just so memorable. And I just, like you said, I just love Booker T being the, the world champion. So if you want to end it, any, any final thoughts, uh, you can have the final word. No, that, that, that was Booker's night, bro. That, 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 that was a career night that he worked damn hard for. Um, bro, whatever I had to go through, whatever I had to deal with was well worth it because he was the right guy. I I would make the same decision tomorrow, bro. Uh, that, that was Booker's night. Kudos to Booker, bro. It was all about him. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.